Well, as we continue on uh, our look at the, the way that the birth of Christ took place, uh, I want to start off by um, just leading us in prayer. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we give you thanks that you have preserved this revelation of truth for us through the years and through the generations that, that all men may know that you have sent your Son to die in our place that we would have everlasting life and forgiveness of sin. Um, Lord, we ask that you would be with us now um, by the power of your Spirit to lead us into all truth and, and Lord, to help us with fresh eyes see the, the coming of, uh, of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ to appreciate even deeper and, Lord, to grow in our sense of awe and gratitude for all that you have done for us and for, for, for everyone. Lord, we thank you and we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. A question for you this morning. Uh, have you ever had to wait for something? Um. You know, like, uh, more than like waiting for a cheeseburger, but uh, waiting for something that maybe you've had uh, aspirations of or desires for, for for a long time. And you maybe can see a glimmer in the distance that that, that day's approaching when you get to take possession of that. Um, but the time in between where you're at and that long-distance view of that thing can be just sometimes excruciating. It's like, how long can I wait? And, um, and sometimes you even might even wrestle with, is it worth it? Well, today we're going to look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and we're going to encounter a man and a woman who took God at His word and, and trusted what he said was going to come to pass. That when God promised that he was going to send a Messiah, a Savior, they took him at his word. And even though they hadn't seen it yet, and, and their ancestors hadn't seen it yet, that many generations had passed, yet they still waited anxiously in the hope and in, the, in, in, in certainty that God was going to come and fulfill his promise to all mankind. And we're going to see that this morning um, here in Luke chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem. So uh, just in case uh, you're not familiar with this passage, so what we've previously looked at is... is uh, the birth of Christ, and how Mary and Joseph, they went to Bethlehem um, for the purposes of uh, the government was requiring it so that they could report in, and, and uh, so they went to Bethlehem to do that. They had difficulty finding a, a suitable place for, for uh, lodging, um, and uh, Mary ended up giving birth and placing the Jesus in a manger, a feeding trough, and um, and so the, and the shepherds came, and, uh, and we kind of looked at the shepherds kind of being like the first evangelists, really. 
because they, it says they went out and told everybody about what they had seen and what the angels told them and, and the birth of, of Jesus. And, and so we, we've kind of, uh, that's where we kind of stopped off. Uh, and then in verse uh, uh, 21 then alludes to at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And that, that eight, eight days was uh, an important custom that they would keep, uh, followed by the circumcision. And so verse 22, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Um, And there's a... um, there's some customary things here going on that go back to the time of Moses, actually even things that we've been looking into in the book of Exodus. Um, there's some references there that, uh, that every male who, opens, uh, who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Uh, you'll find that back in Exodus chapter 13 even. And um, in Leviticus chapter 12 though, I wanted to take a look at that to give us some understanding here a little bit further says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her menstruation, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for 66 days. And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So Mary and Joseph were, were seeking to, to live by, by the laws of Moses that had been laid out before them. And... Um, and, and Without going too deep into this, um, just one of the things that I would point out when, when we're talking about the impure and purifying, there's a, uh, one of the things I would point out here is as you look back into the Old Testament and kind of see some of these things take place, these periods of, of uh, purification and uh, that sort of thing, a lot of it, um, while it ties deeply into um, their obedience to the Lord and things that the Lord laid out for them. Um, there's actually some revelation there that, that with some of our um, sort of modern understanding of just the way the bodies work and, and, uh, and being healthy and all that, that there's built into many of the things that the Lord laid out for his people are a lot of things that actually uh, improved the health and conditions of the people. So... Uh, I don't want to summarize it as if that's the only reason for some of these laws, but there's certainly an aspect of that to that. And um, so there's a custom here that they're seeking to keep, 
as uh, Jesus is circumcised according to uh, um, the law of Moses. And then here they now are uh, making their way um, to bring Jesus before the Lord and present the offerings. And one of the things that we learn through this is that it uh, says to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of uh, turtle doves or two young pigeons. And, um, and so as they go to make their, their offerings here at the, the temple, um, one of the things that we learn here is uh, there's no mention that the, of them bringing a lamb. And one of the things that we would just learn from that is, if, we, if you remember from that passage in Leviticus, that there was, um, they were to bring a lamb, but if they couldn't afford a lamb, they, there was a way for them to still participate in bringing an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord uh, because the, the Lord makes it clear throughout Scripture He's not impressed by um, he's not impressed by our status. He's not impressed by uh, how well off we are. What the Lord seeks is a heart surrendered to Him, uh, a broken and contrite heart, a person who comes humbly before Him, humbly and honestly. Um, and and so that is what Mary and Joseph sought to do here to come before the Lord to present their offering to Him, and. Um, And so, uh, verse 25 then. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Uh, Simeon and uh, later here the prophetess Anna uh, are are two very, I would say, remarkable uh, people. Um, and there's not a lot of discussion about them in God's word, but they, the brief encounter that we have with them, to me, really stands out. Uh, Simeon here is a, a, um, one who, it doesn't, although it doesn't mention really his, his role too much uh, in the temple, uh, seems to be a priest as he's going to be one that, the, that Jesus is brought to, and, the, and he pronounces a blessing over him. Um, but the, what is said about him is that he was a man who was righteous and devout. Uh, and that is that th- this being righteous and devout has to do with that he is a, some, some translations say just. Um, it, it means that he had his life, his, who he was at the soul level was conformed and submitted to the will of God. His life was devoted to pleasing God, honoring Him, living in reverence and fear of the Lord, that His aim was to please the Lord. And it says that He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is, He was waiting for God to rescue His people as He'd promised long ago by the prophets. And Simeon believed God believed him, took him at his word. He trusted the words that he spoke. He trusted the covenant that, that God had made. And there was something even more to that. So he trusted, trusted the Lord, but there's something unique even about Simeon in his walk with the Lord. It says in verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So, 
the, uh, God had, had spoken a word, to, a revel, kind of a, a very unique revealing to Simeon that Simeon, Simeon would, not, uh, w- would still be uh, alive when, when the Lord sent Messiah for his people and for the world. And Simeon, who, we're not told exactly at what point in life, Simeon's life this took place, um, but we know that Simeon was waiting. He was waiting. And this, this uh, word here that just gets translated for us, waiting, I suppose this is the sort of downside to the English language is that we have words that can mean multiple things and words that can carry uh, multiple weight to them. Um, sometimes we'll say like, like love, for instance, how many ways we use the word love. Sometimes it is deeply powerful and meaningful, and sometimes it's a throwaway word. Um, and so when we read the word waiting here, what is contained within that is this eagerness, this longing, uh, this hunger for what is going to come to pass. This looking forward with, with anticipation. That, that, that just, like, you can't, you can't wait until it happens, you know? There's that constant excitement uh, and looking forward to, even straining to see it. And that describes Simeon. He knew God was going to send a Savior. And he just couldn't hardly wait until the day when he saw it happen. Simeon wasn't alone in that, as we're going to find out. But Simeon's faith and how tightly he held on to the promise of God, I think, should be a strong encouragement because what God promises, he always fulfills. And the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, was proof of that once again that he is trustworthy and that he will finish what he starts. Verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon uh, here is led into the temple, uh, led to the temple by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and one of the things that we kind of looked at uh, last week, even just in the birth of Jesus and how that, how that took place and you know, Mary and Joseph were on the road, and Mary's, uh, she's ready to have a child any day, and they can't find a suitable place, and you can imagine what that's like, uh, um, uh, just how, you know, I'm sure that Mary just like, she, she, she wants a place to sit down finally, right? And they're just trying to find a place like to stay the night. And so you can imagine there's a bit of confusion and, and hustle um, going on for them. And, uh, and, and, and we just, one of the things that we, we saw in that was that the Lord's timing is perfect. Like right in the midst of, of sort of this maybe 
what looked at that moment to be a bit chaotic and uncertain was perfectly in with what God had planned. Um, we got a little glimpse of that last night as we were preparing Winterfest and we had all of our plans, right, for everything to take place in the park. And then uh, God decided that it should be windy and rainy. And, uh, but God's timing is perfect. And um, we just got to see how God pulled things together. Well, God's timing is always perfect. His plan is always the perfect one. And here, he leads, uh, by the power of the Spirit, leads uh, Simeon into the temple on this particular day. Just happens to be the very day where Jesus is brought into the temple. And um, so here he is. He comes into the, uh, in the, in the Holy power of the Spirit, comes into the temple, and when the parents brought Jesus uh, to him uh, to, to keep and doing with what was customary for them, he takes Jesus in his arms and, and, and blesses him. And the words that he pronounces over him give us a glimpse into what is going on in the heart of Simeon. That very first line there, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Uh, I think that's just awesome. It shows us how much Simeon had been longing. And, and really how little... Um, Simeon's not a guy here who, who is demanding of the Lord at all. You see in Simeon this humility and, and this gratitude that God allowed him to be part of this moment where the Savior is introduced to the world. And Simeon says, hey, my life can end now. I'm done. You've fulfilled your promise, and if I don't get another breath, I'm the happiest guy that there's ever been. And so Simeon then proclaims on that salvation has come and he's been a witness to it and that this salvation is for all people. And then he mentions specifically Gentiles and Israel and and Jews that that salvation has come to all of them. And then verse 33 says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now, Simeon was a man man who loved God, and because he loved God, he loved truth, and he spoke what truth God gave him to, to speak. And while this is a glorious moment for um, Mary and Joseph, and there's glorious pronouncement over the baby Jesus, um, there's also this word of truth spoken to her that I'm, uh, I'm sure she stewed on quite a lot. Simeon speaks to her and says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And of course, we, saw, we see that in the life of Christ, right? We see that even now, that, that those who oppose him, that those who reject him um, are among those who fall and those who trust in him are those he lifts up. 
And she, he goes on to tell her that, uh, and for a sign that is opposed, of course we know that Jesus Christ is opposed and rejected. We see that through his life and even to the crucifixion and even today as many will oppose Christ, the Savior. But then there's this personal note, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And we have this, um, just looking, this glimpse forward as we know the story of the gospel and the crucifixion of Christ. We can see it more clearly than Mary could at that moment. But that reality that there was a day coming when this very child that was uh, uh, such a, 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 a joy in this moment um, is also uh, a source of great sorrow for her as she watches uh, her, her son, who she re- recognizes belongs to God, right? She's, she, she is in this interesting place where not only is she mother of Messiah, but she's also believer and submitted to the lordship of Messiah. Uh, and, and Mary um, is, is given this uh, word of what's coming, that that day um, is coming that, that he would be crucified. Verse 36, And there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phinuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when, he was, uh, from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him all, uh, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna was another one who was waiting. She had devoted her life since the passing of her husband. She had devoted her life to, to serving God. And fasting and prayer were a, a characterization of who she was and what her life looked like. She just lived a devoted life to the Lord. She, um, and here she is in the temple on this very day, and another one in likeness to Simeon, who is looking forward to God fulfilling his promises. And she sort of becomes like the second evangelist here in the, in, in the unfolding of the birth of Christ. And what's interesting about um, the way God chooses to, to spread the good news is he, it's like Uh, Well, it's not like. He did. He purposefully chose the least likely and least, at least in uh, culturally speaking, some of the least credible people to bring the most profound and life-changing, earth-shattering truth that ever has been. And he brings, um, Anna is a widow, um, and, and widows were in typically a much more vulnerable place in, in, in their culture. And, um, and she's from the tribe of, of Asher. Um, in, in other words, she's not even really like um, from the, the, the tribe of the Levites here. Um, she's, she's sort of a little bit more obscured even than, uh, than that. And so... She's really, she's just a woman who loves the Lord. That's really kind of what it boils down to. She's a woman who loves the Lord and has devoted her life to the Lord. And what matters in God's economy? 
is not the pedigree. It's, it's, it's not her social standing. It is where her heart is. And Simeon and Anna become uh, some of the greatest witnesses to the, to the birth of Christ. And, as, and it says that she then begins to share this good news with everybody who was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. We see that theme again there. Uh, again, that there are, there, it's beyond, it's, there's Simeon and there's Anna and there's many others that Anna now is speaking to who are waiting. They're waiting. They are trusting that God is going to fulfill His promises. Well, there's waiting no more because God has sent His Son into the world to, and who would give His life for sinners, you and me, that we would know eternal life and forgiveness of sin. But there's something now that we do wait for. We wait for His return. We wait for the moment um, where everything that we have hoped in, where, where God brings His family together in His kingdom, in the absence of, of everything that sin has, has broken and corrupted, where He brings His family together in glory before Him. In fact, uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus, as he was preparing to depart from the disciples, he said this to him, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So we wait no longer for a Savior, but we await his return to come and bring us uh, to the place that he has prepared for us. In in Titus chapter 2, when we were going through the book of Titus, we referred to this as the Titus Creed. And it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We are waiting, eagerly waiting for that blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul um, even mentions that even creation is waiting like that with this eagerness, just groaning like, like creation itself can't wait for the day when Christ returns and restores all things. Makes all things new as they were intended to be at the beginning of creation where all things are restored to the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll finish up there. Um, I love the way that the Apostle Paul says this to the Ephesian church. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that the Lord himself has has placed his uh, seal by the presence of the Holy Spirit, that is like a, a kingly seal. Uh, this, this seal may not be broken. Right? It is a permanent thing that has been fixed upon those who believe in Jesus. 
and that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, has, has many purposes, the Holy Spirit does in our life. One of those is to permanently mark us as belonging to God. And to, to be the, the sort of down payment that what God began, He's going to finish. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that that inheritance is coming, that inheritance of eternal life, that inheritance of the, of the family of God being together around the throne of grace. And this is what we eagerly long for. And so we, even uh, in many of our worship songs together, we sing... Uh, uh, um, songs about a day coming, right? When, when we are all gathered together to Christ. And today, as we recognize once again the coming of Christ into the world, we remember that we are a people who have a hope, who have a purpose. Um, we are a people who, who don't despair because the Lord keeps His promises and, the, and things only get better from here. Praise God for that, huh? Let's pray. Lord, as we, we thank you this morning for sending a Savior to take our place on the cross. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you give us. And as your word reminds us, this hope doesn't disappoint. Lord, we thank you that you have given us uh, a promise that is sure and true you have gone to prepare a place for us lord that you are coming back that you are going to finish what you began in us and uh, lord we thank you that we have this salvation lord we thank you that we have a lord and savior who loves us so much and and we ask in your name um, that that you would make yourself known uh, even more fully in our own lives and through us to others who need to see you to to hear the the truth to receive the the good news and uh, lord to have this hope of eternal life for themselves lord we thank you in jesus name amen Well, I hope that uh, as you celebrate this Christmas holiday and as you gather with friends and family and coworkers and whomever, um, that the one thing that you keep front and center is that Jesus Christ was sent from the Father who loves you to give his life for you so that you, a sinner, could be reconciled and made right with God. The one who would judge you has also come to save you and uh, give you life and peace and hope and joy and put his love within your heart that you may not only experience it for yourself, but become a vessel for sharing it with others. And may the Lord bless and keep you as you seek to, to learn more and more about what God has done for you. Uh, I'd like to invite all of you, just remind you that we have uh, potluck downstairs here following the service, and uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you all.